Hey everybody, this is Chris and welcome to the Tinnitus Manifesto podcast where we talk about all things related to musicians and hearing. It's part two of my interview with co-host for the show, Nashville audiologist Dr. Rebecca Groom. Check it out. As you said, the molding wasn't done correctly, right? Yeah, nine times out of ten, I see um, like comfort and fit issues with in ears more so than anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right. So the, yeah, so it's a comfort thing. They they don't like how they how they feel in their head or in their ears or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or they, right. uh, you know, they're they've been sold that they are getting you know thirty dB, thirty to 30 to 40 dB of noise reduction with your in-ears in. And it's like, well, no, probably not. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, right. they're getting there when they're singing or when they're making a face, the in-ear um, loses being, the seal uh, and leakage, then they get external a little bit sound. Leakage, right. and, yeah. And so they just get frustrated. You know, it's just not an, it's not a consistent sound in there. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you educate the average musician when they come in like what are your uh what are your techniques for getting them to to really start to pay attention a little more to their own hearing issues and and getting them to think about the things that you think they should be uh concerned about yeah i mean i like as you all probably figured out now i'm always harping on hearing test and annual hearing test right um, my biggest rule of thumb that's easy to remember <laughs> is that if your ears ring after you play, that is too much noise. So, um, you know, there will be a day if you perform and then your ears ring for 48 hours and it goes away, you perform your ears ring for 48 hours and it goes away. There will be a day where that doesn't go away. Uh, Listen to that musicians replay that what she just said in your head multiple times, because this is very important. In fact, say it again. (laughs) If your ears ring after you perform or play, that is too much noise. Yes. Yes. That is essentially temporary threshold shift. It's probably temporary hearing loss. Um, And at some point, that will become a permanent thing over time. So if your ears ring after you play, turn it down. Yeah, right, right. That's just, okay. So, you know, it's, it's just that simple. <laughs> it's just that direct. There's no, you know, there's no bullshit about that. It's just a straight, you know, straightforward, uh, easy to remember. <clears throat> your ears are telling you, right. They're screaming at you saying, turn the shit down. Right? Yeah. Turn it down. Right. The other thing that I really love is, um, and I do think it's a language that a lot of musicians can understand is, um, safe listening levels. So, um, NIOSH, N-I-O-S-H, does all of the research on safe listening levels for OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Right. And they're the ones that go in and say, you know, if you work at a factory, this is how much, this is how much volume you can be in time exposure. It's your time weighted, your time weighted average, essentially. Right. So if you, everyone has their phone on -hmm. them at all times. Um, I don't truly enjoy the standard iPhone uh, measurements, but NIOSH does have an app that um, you can get your DBA of the room noise. And then it will also give you um, your total runtime, your max, your peaks, your time-weighted average, your dosing percentage, 
And then in that app, it will also, it has like some noise info in there and it can talk about, it, it, it's just a very educational app. It talks about whether or not you are based on your measurements right. within safe listening levels, Wow! how to prevent hearing loss. Um, there's some surveys in here. So it's just what an are, app. It's, it's uh, N-I-O-S-H app. N-I-O-S-H. Yep. Okay. N-I-O-S-H. N-I-O-S-H. And again, for the listeners, yeah, it's, it's a worthy download and where you can, and you can get DB, you know, it'll test DB, DB levels. Reading. And, yeah. Wow. Very mm-hmm. cool. Here's, uh, yeah. well, and, and with that in mind, holding that thought, um, some of the research I did uh, and looking at the OSHA, you know, uh, statistics and stuff and i found it really that honestly freaked me the hell out because when i was looking at it, i'm like oh my god they were saying if you play piano at full volume if you're just playing piano loud then you're uh you're exposing yourself to damage within 45 minutes of playing i can believe that because my husband i swear to god if he doesn't stop playing that rachmaninoff piece when i come home from work i'm gonna lose it because so loud. loud. Yeah, <laughs> so no, and, and I'm tired. <laughs> right. And it's and it's it's that. It's uh right. Uh I don't know. Uh yeah. And, and, <laughs> well, right, right. Well, and even you know, piccolo player, right? And this this blew my mm-hmm. mind, right? Because they're talking, you know, because you're it's right by, you know, whatever the sorry, it's right, you know, the, the sound is right by your right ear. There. Yeah. Right. And they say literally practicing the piccolo. You mm-hmm. shouldn't, you know, at full volume, you shouldn't do that for more than a half hour a day. I'm thinking, well, how the hell does anyone learn how to play the piccolo without screwing up? I know. Knee? I know. Yeah. And, and then, when you we know, talk they're about... not, they're not, uh, you know, they, they're practicing alone, but they're, you know, there are few solo piccolo players, right? They're in an orchestra too. So they're, they're playing a piccolo. They're surrounded by all these other instruments. Yeah. And again, this uh, very high pitched sounds are only literally less than a foot away from their ear. Right. Yeah, orchestras are orchestras and symphonies are a whole nother monster. Oh man, yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. No doubt, and and again, it's so it's it's one of the things I've I've discovered is just sort of as a musician, I'm like, well, you know what, ears are just. It's just like, you know, your hands. You wear your hands out if you do a lot of work with your hands. You wear your back out. You use your back out, like. It's just part of the territory, right? Of being an art, being a musician, being in the sound, uh, whatever arts, mm-hmm. man, yeah. it's just, you're like, I don't know that you can actually get through it without doing some damage to your hearing. Like, I don't know if anyone, if any musician has made it to the end of their lives, not <laughs> suffering any loss, right? I can't imagine that's possible. Yeah. It's always surprising to me. I actually had, um, I had someone in the office. He was almost, um, almost 80, um, big time musician, right. uh, been around a long time. And I would have, I saw his name on my schedule. I'm like, Oh, great. Here we go. He's not going to have any hearing. This is, I'm going to be yelling at him the whole time. And I have to fight with him about hearing aids. And, you know, right. I unfortunately just went into this panic in my head of judging him before he came in. Right. Uh, completely normal hearing. Wow. Wow. Completely normal hearing at 80. Yeah, 80. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we yeah. gotta we gotta I find mean, out what that guy's doing. <laughs> so I think you know, there's just something about genetics that yeah, right. also play a part. That of you course. know, we have control. The other thing, we have control over some things, mm-hmm. and then there's some things we don't have control over. Yeah, right. We can only focus mm-hmm. on the part that we can like control. Nature, nature, and nurture, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I cannot control your genetics. Right. I can control how much volume you put in your ear. 
mm-hmm. and for how long. Or you can at least uh, advise. You can't. Yeah, that's true. You can't, that's true. You can't make them do it. On, I can't go home with all of you and just make sure yeah. that <laughs> yeah. what they do on the that's, stage. Uh, you know that you can't control that. <laughs> that's always the joke with my hearing aid patients. I'm like, listen, I'm gonna trust that you are going to put these in your ear every day because I'm not gonna be there to shove them in your ear when you yeah. wake up every morning. Right. Right. So you know, if not, I'll get the super glue out and we'll just permanently get them in there. But otherwise, you can lead the horse to water. Mm-hmm. And this leads to the sort of a sort of a, a final question to some extent is, uh, why do you think musicians in particular don't don't uh, aren't really about paying attention? Not just their hearing, but we're, we're you know we're just not very good about paying attention to our own health so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, what do you think? You know, is there a is there a connection there? Yeah. Yeah, I I think I think the fear I think fear is a huge one, but I think the fear is more so the potential impact that the news could have on their career. You Mm -hmm. know, musicians rely on their general physical well-being. Right. Um, You know, we're looking at I look at hearing, but we have to look at vocal health, dexterity. You know, a lot of musicians go to chiropractors for back issues. You know, you're hard on your bodies. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it's like, you know, just the fear of seeking healthcare services could re- re- essentially result in a diagnosis or a treatment plan that you don't want to do, or don't have the bandwidth to do, or you don't think it's right. feasible, or you think it's going to impact how your bandmates are going to look at you. And are, you know, is, is anyone going to hire you if you have a hearing loss? Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, there, that, that, that's a big, big concern. Right. And Again, I know it's, it's that about their livelihood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, the level of um, the amount of discretion in this office is very high. Yeah. Um, right. It's doctor client privilege correct. to some extent. Yeah. I know right. a lot of people don't view this office as a medical office, but this is a medical yeah, office. Right. I, we have to follow HIPAA here. I yeah, can't exactly. sit here and talk about everything that's going on. Right. But even still, mm-hmm musicians come in here and they're like, you're never going to tell anyone about this. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm legally not allowed to, but also yeah. no. Um, <laughs> so yeah. same thing when your manager calls later, if they're not on that release form, I'm not telling them anything. So yeah. unless you put your name down as a release of healthcare information, no. Yeah. So good. musicians who come into my office, fill out your freaking paperwork. I know it's a book, but if you don't want anyone to know your stuff, right. Then I need that paperwork on file. Okay. So yeah. we know who we can talk to. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing too, and I think musicians don't like healthcare, you know, it's time, you know, they're all over the yeah, place. We're all broke too. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the second, that was, I was going to say expensive. that's the other thing. It's expensive. Right. And yeah. in general, um, my experience with musicians is the, y- y'all don't have the best healthcare. Not that healthcare or insurance really does a whole lot in this country anymore, especially when we come to specialized testing. You know, they don't cover extended high frequency testing. Um, You know, they're covering a basic hearing test. They don't cover tinnitus counseling. I cannot bill for my time in the state of Tennessee. So when you go into a doctor's office, yeah, when you go into a doctor's office, they're billing for their time. They're billing an office visit. I cannot do that as an audiologist in the state of Tennessee. Can't do it. What, why, like it's, it's a evaluation management code and it's not considered, um, part of my, my wow. scope of practice. Wow. That's yeah. Up, so, 
when someone comes in here for a hearing test, like a standard person, ah, right. I get an ENT referral for a hearing test. Right. I schedule 30 minutes and I bill out usually on for that one, 140 bucks for the, the test mm -hmm. battery that I do. Right. Um, I will get reimbursed probably $40. Oh man. Yeah. 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 So ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's another topic, and I would need a beer <laughs> for that one. So um, let's not get into that today. But yeah, you know, it's just it's just, it's expensive. So right. time, you know, stigma, anxiety, mm -hmm. financial concerns, and like I said before, you know, musicians usually don't speak healthcare. They don't speak the language. Yeah, no, we don't. They're sure. they're more holistic. They love yeah. chiropractic right. health. They love. Um, yeah. Uh, supplements, nutrients, right. uh, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. Acupuncture. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that, which is all great. Sure. You know, that belongs and, and, in there. That belongs yes. there. It's bona fide. Um, right. Correct. But um, I think sometimes it stops there and it needs to go a step further. Right. So. Or the other thing too, I mean, gosh, if one more person comes in here and is like, Oh, I have tinnitus and you know, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm like, well, who the hell told you that? Right. UNT, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, let's just well, you know, that's in general, that that's what I, I've been told that multiple times, you know, that was what, you know, drew me to getting my, my hearing aids and stuff. Oh, I, you know, I went to see several audiologists and they all said the same thing. Well, we can't really, you know, you're going to need to get hearing aids. We can't really do much about the tinnitus. And mm -hmm. That's the answer. Right. And, you know, unfortunately there is some truth to the fact that you can't get rid you can't of get tinnitus, rid of it. right? You it's, can't. Tr you can't you can, treat the actual tinnitus. It's, cr it's a chronic thing. You, you have to manage it. You can't get you rid have of to, it. You have to provide, yeah, management and coping strategies, right? To help remove it from your conscious and put it into your subconscious. There you go. It doesn't. But but so they're not entirely wrong when they say we can't stop the tinnitus, right? No, they're just but oversimplifying the, the response. It is an oversimplified way of answering that question. Yes. Can I take away your tinnitus? No. Right. Are you probably going to have it the rest of your life? Yes. Yep. Are there coping strategies and therapies out there to help yes. reduce the, um, the perception, the anxiety mm -hmm. and the awareness of it? Right. Absolutely. All those Absolutely. are yes. Yes. All of right. those are yes. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to like what I have to say when I tell you what the treatment methods are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's <laughs> it. Exactly. I didn't, you know, and, and that's uh, just the complexity of hearing is just astounding. The more I learn, the more it blows my mind how complicated the, the just the mechanisms of hearing in the ear and the brain are. Uh, yeah. And yes. And so you're dealing with, so suddenly it's, it's, it's a neurological thing. You have it's your brain having to teach yourself not to be so distracted and caught up in the sound that you hear in your head, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, and but just so you know, we are going to get much deeper into the whole ideas and methods of helping tinnitus. We're just we these first couple episodes are just scratching the surface. Um, mm -hmm. But with that in mind. <laughs> Very brief. Okay. Just, just what are the, what are a couple very, you know, relatively simple techniques that you would recommend for people with tinnitus? Um, it depends on how involved they want to be, but, um, clean diet is always a good one. Yep. Um, you know, watching your sodium intake. 
okay. is a big one. Right. Um, I do a lot of breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. I think um, meditation and breathing is huge. I agree. Yeah. For we'll your, be getting uh, into that too. Yep. Yep. If we can put in any sort of stretching or okay. yoga, right? Um, any sort of reduction of tension in the back, head, and neck. Uh, cochlear hairs are nerves, right? They're so we need to calm the nervous system. That's get really your blood so pressure much of it. down. Yeah, yeah, all that your, stuff. Get so your bit, blood pressure down. Yeah. yeah, and then the other one is sound therapy. You know, when we talk about sound therapy with uh, tinnitus, it's most people they notice it when it's quiet. Right. Um, so again, I don't like it. It's like, oh, if you have tinnitus, you should avoid avoid silence. Okay, well, what what yeah. do you mean avoid silence? What do That's you mean absurd. by that? It is absurd. So, um, like big, big takeaways for me are, um, you know, bedtime routines are very important. So, because that's, that's when most people hear it or when it bothers them the most, the awareness is high and the reaction is high. So, you know, we all love machines or whatever. Yeah. But we all love laying in bed and scrolling on our phone for three hours before bed or watching TV in bed. No Mm -hmm. blue light, get rid of all that blue light. Yeah. Um, turn on some sort of sound machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a sound machine that's not just white noise. You can have frogs and crickets and all that crap that drives me crazy. But right. I um, don't like those either. I like the white noise. Yeah. Or, so turn on some sort of pleasant to you sound. Right. Reduce all of the lighting and the stimulus in your room. Mm-hmm. Remove yourself from your room. Go do your meditation and your stretches. Go brush mm-hmm. your teeth. Go get ready for bed. Right. Enter the room calmly when it's dark and there's already noise there get in bed, go to bed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's it. Start there. And, uh, you know, uh, I hate to say it, but that sounds like an unsatisfying answer. (laughs) 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 To some extent, you know what I mean? Like I want to, I want a damn damn pill. I want to, you know, I want a better answer than that. Right. But, and, and you know what, if you're not going to do the easy thing, you sure shit are not going to say yes to the hard things that I have to recommend. So, I mean, I know, right. That's a good gauge for me on whether or not someone's serious about this, because you you are going to pay me all that money Mm -hmm. to come in and do a tennis evaluation. And you're not even willing to change your bedtime routine. All right probably am not going to be successful with some of the more advanced or the more involved treatment methods. You can make, and I want musicians to know this, you can make the choice to just not do anything and just accept that you have tinnitus and move on. Right. That's, that is an option, right? That's what most people do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That really is what most people do. Yeah. Um, And letting yourself freak out about it is just making it worse. Right. And the people who sort of get into that mind state, well, I have it and then I'm going to move on. And then usually that's kind of all, maybe that's kind of all they really needed to do is accept it and move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you want to be proactive, right. You need to do the bed stuff, do the, you know, right eating, get the, if you need hearing aids, of course, you know, that's, uh, we've mentioned this before, one of the first signs of hearing loss is that tinnitus. So maybe you need to, you know, do that stuff too. But to the, uh, to the musicians who are listening, if, if you have tinnitus and you're living with it and you're, and you know, you can manage, you're fine. Don't sweat it. If if it's bothering you, if it's distracting you and making, causing problems, then be proactive. There are things you can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One thing with musicians too, I run into a lot is, um, a lot of, a lot of musicians are on antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications. Right. Uh, there's a lot of substance abuse. Um, there's a lot of drinking. Right. Um, so 
if you look at pretty much any medication that you take, look at the side effects. Yeah, always ring. Yeah, ring <laughs> it's ring, always yeah. tinnitus. And I know alcohol. Lord knows, like I have one oh, beer and yeah. I start to notice it. I mean, I, again, I, I not to say I'll never have beer. I just know if I'm going to have a beer, and I'm like, okay, I might notice It'll my tinnitus more. Yeah. It's just it's okay. Well, but I want my beer, so I'll have a beer. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. These are conscious choices that we all make on a daily basis, right? Yeah. And just understanding what's going to trigger it is a big yeah. one too, because yeah. um, most it. people have some sort of internal head noise consistently right. Right. throughout the day, throughout their life. It's it's very common. Yeah. Uh, most people have it. Yeah. Um, but m- a lot of general population, they freak out when it gets louder, Right. such as, you know, I, I again, for me, if I have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. When I go to bed at night, my right ear is screaming at me. Yeah, right. Okay. And so mm-hmm. if you don't have the knowledge that I have about why that's happening, right, you might freak out. Yeah. So right. Understanding triggers and understanding things that potentially are going to raise awareness um, are important because then you can calm yourself down, essentially, yes. and make sure that you are essentially retraining your brain not to go into crisis mode when it's louder than normal when it's away from the baseline right and these are you know these are real things that help these are real prescriptions right you know and that's the thing too we're thinking it's kind of conceptual you're just sort of changing your perspective but no it's a real thing if you want to change your relationship to your tinnitus right if you, you can you know they're they're intangible things but they're real and they work Right. That's what's sort of hard for people to accept. Like, oh, so I just have to change my mind. Well, that's correct. You know, the more intense uh, rehabs for tinnitus are essentially cognitive behavioral training. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's essentially retraining your psychology. It's retraining your brain. Right. To not go into crisis mode when it hears a stimulus. Yes, exactly. If you want to break it down to the very basics. Yep. That is what we're doing when we do retraining for tinnitus. Now, as an audiologist, I use TRT, um, mm-hmm. which is tinnitus retraining therapy. There is sound therapy attached right. to it, but it's also based in cognitive behavioral therapy. That's what we're doing. Yeah, that that is exactly it. And uh, I think that's an important thing for, for musicians uh, or people with tinnitus to understand that, yes. Yeah. Uh, if if someone tells you that it's it is a cognitive, it's a psychological thing, doesn't mean it's not real. It means it's a psychological thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's real. It's very real. And it's a very subjective thing. Oh yeah, it's very totally. subjective. Oh man. I can measure it. I can right. get objective measurements in my sound booth of pitch, loudness. What are your masking levels? What you know, frequency? What's the spread? Um, is it is it modulating? You know, I can take all of those measurements. Mm-hmm. If the patient can communicate that to me. Yeah, right. And their own perception. And that's a thing, like how perception. I'm affected by my tinnitus, uh, you know, is different from how someone else might be affected by the same levels of tinnitus. Like it's, it's our mental, oh, yeah. emotional response to it. Right. Yeah. And, and again, oh, this yeah. Is if why everyone walking so around heard the same chord that I hear in my right ear, yeah. I'm sure more people would be crazy like me. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh <laughs> Okay. So this is the last question. Now, you know, we, we're running long. I don't want to take up your time. I know we both have sh- shit to do. As someone who wears hearing aids, as a musician, when I talk to people about hearing stuff, they always say, oh, I got this. I got a ring in my right ear. I have, you know, whatever. Every person I know has some weird hearing thing. What is your weird hearing thing? 
Oh, I have two. Okay. I have two. What are um, they? Number one, I cannot function when a fan is running. So in my house, when I am in the kitchen right. and I have the overhead fan over the stove running, uh-huh. even on low, really? I could be in a different room and trying to talk to someone and I cannot, I cannot hear them, understand them. Hearing and understanding are different. Yeah. Right. So anytime there is a fan running, I am done. Don't talk to me. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Not going to so, happen. Right. Yeah. It takes a lot of, a lot of effort on my end to communicate with someone when there's a fan running. How do you self-diagnose? What What is your self-diagnosis of that? What does that mean? Like if, uh, what do you think is <laughs> I'm causing I'm tired. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe yeah. You know, your ears no, are tired. I mean, ser- seriously, uh, by that time of day. Yeah. Um, I'm distracted. Mm-hmm. I have decision fatigue. Right. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I probably have a glass of wine in my hand. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. you know, just that it's just you know, that scenario is, is exhaust. I'm exhausted when I yeah. go home at night. So, um, yeah. And that is another thing, body stress. And again, it's a neurological thing. It's yeah. nerves. So if you're tired, if you're stressed out, if you don't sleep, sleeping is really yeah. highly undervalued under, yeah. uh, undervalued as a hearing uh, uh, benefit or damage as, as a hearing problem. Yeah. if you don't sleep well, you you're, it's going to mess you up. Yeah. So what's your the next other thing, thing is my other one was, um, so when I was pregnant with Naoma, my second, um, I had a terrible sinus infection. That was when the person drove their car through my office. Oh, you know I remember that. that. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had, I was nine months pregnant. It's a girl and any females out there listening, I, those girls just suck your energy and suck your beauty. And <laughs> it is rough on your back. And boys, boys are no problem for me. Girls, not so much. Okay. So I had a really terrible sinus infection in the, um, on my right side. Right. And, um, my, my doctor was out the last month of my pregnancy for personal issues and, um, a car four days before I had Naoma drove through my office. So dust and debris and all of this stuff. And so it just, um, it caused a very terrible ear infection. And then I delivered a child with yeah. a really terrible ear infection. Oh, shit. And um, so I, I had this going on for like a month. And of course, no one's going to treat me because I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I didn't burst my eardrum or anything like that. But um, since then, I do have this very lovely cord in my right ear. Um, my goal is next next podcast, I'll tell you what that cord is. I keep wanting to sit down find, and, and, find, the and find the cord, but it's it's there. I know what it is. It's, right. I can recreate it in my head at any point. Um, but also, if um, I uh, certain times, uh, usually about you know, once a quarter or so, mm-hmm. I have a rattling in my ear. It sounds like a busted speaker. Wow. Um, yeah. So, um, I'll be sitting there talking to someone and usually it's after I sneeze or something. So I'm, I'm assuming it has to do with pressure or the three bones. Yeah, middle, the ear, middle ear pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Something's going on there where it's, it literally is like just a crackly busted speaker sound in that right ear. Wow. Wow. In my experience, just people come up to me and talk about their just random stuff. And, and stuff. again, I'm continually amazed at the variety of, uh, <laughs> hearing issues that people can have and just hallucinations, oral hallucinations, all that kind of oh, stuff. And yeah. again, we're going to get into all that stuff later on. in Ear the Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, I think we're at a good time to start winding things down. Um, yeah. 
before we go, do you, as the, as an audiologist to, you know, when I, I, I'm re I'm rehashing questions, but what last statements or what last recommendations advice you would give to musicians uh, when they're coming to visit audiologist or if they haven't and why they should just, you know, inspire a musician to come to you. What would you say? Yeah, The big one is don't be scared. Yeah. We're, we're not out here. We're not here to judge you. We are not here to deliver bad news. Um, you know, we are here to help navigate, help you navigate your health. Right. Um, and one of your biggest tools that you have for your profession. And so, um, come, come bearing questions and, yeah. and make sure that you follow the protocol. And if a hearing test is recommended, there's a reason. There's yeah. a reason. There so. you go. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's all very worthy advice. And again, it, it, it jives with everything we've been talking about. So that's it for the Tinnitus Manifesto podcast interview with audiologist and co-host for the show, Dr. Rebecca Grome. Next time we start to talk about the physics of sound, decibels, frequency, overtones, what do they really mean and what happens when they mix. If you want to find out more about the Tinnitus Manifesto podcast or show support or just reach out, you can find us at thetinnitusmanifesto.com and on all the socials. My name is Chris Clausen. Thanks, y'all. And don't burn those cochlear hairs. Whoa!